Hello and welcome to Peace, the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Peace, a United Methodist community in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm Jason Steffenhagen, the lead pastor. And each episode will typically start with a sacred story reading coming from the Holy Scriptures, followed by the message that was given during our Sunday morning worship time. Any announcements for our community will come at the end of each episode, so stick around. If you are curious about learning more about Peace United Methodist Community, you can go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on our website or go to our show page, which is peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Once again, that's peacethepodcast.podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, We hope that you enjoy this episode. Please like, rate, review, subscribe. And now, on to the Sacred Story reading. So our Sacred Scripture reading is not actually the Lord's Prayer. It's the couple of paragraphs that come right before it. So this is embedded right in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is giving this sermon. There's these 10 towns that are all around, and Jesus is up on the mountain, and he is telling the disciples, the people gathered from all over, what this whole kingdom revolutionary thing of love and justice and wholeness is all about. And so this is embedded in the midst of that great, wonderful sermon that we read in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And so this is uh, the, the kind of the lead-in to the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said to the disciples, and when you pray, don't behave like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing up in the synagogues and on street corners for people to see them. The truth is they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, shut the door and pray to God who is in that secret place. And your Abba God who sees all that is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles. They think God will hear them if they use a lot of words. Don't imitate them. Your God knows that you what you need before you ask it. So I'm calling this sermon series for the next six weeks, The Prayer. And this picture is intentionally fuzzy. Um, I wanted it to look fuzzy because there's a lot of ways that we're going to enter into this. Some that are going to be uncomfortable for us, some that are going to feel like we really resonate and connect to it, but that there's a lot of different approaches. And so I thought an image of someone praying, but also making it a little fuzzy was kind of fitting for the dance that we are going to be having. So I could have done an initial sermon around the two paragraphs that I just got done reading about what does it mean to be a hypocrite and what does it mean to babble on like the Gentiles. Now, that would have extended this sermon probably into eight weeks, which would have entered us into Lent. And so I was like, okay, we're just going to read them and then we're going to not have a full sermon on. But let me just give you a couple of highlights. So the idea that Jesus is getting at in these two verses or these handful of verses as, as he's setting up the Lord's Prayer is that we're not to stand in the synagogues and act like we're know-it-alls. We're not going to put on a false sense of who we are and pretend like we have it all together. 
What Jesus is calling the disciples to, calling followers to, is a place of humility. That your prayer, your expression of your faith should not be something that you parade around and put on a mask, because that's what being a hypocrite is. You put on a fake sense of self and you parade it around for all people to see as if you're the one that everyone should look to. Instead, prayer is meant to be this thing that moves us towards humility. The second thing here, again, I'm summarizing very quickly, right, is that we don't need to use all these fancy, long-winded words. And I've been a part of plenty of communities where prayer times turned into second sermon times. Um, and, and I get it because sometimes there's just something that moves us when we're praying and we want to say all the things, but that's not the intention of prayer is to just, you know, in a way, say everything we need to in order to get God's attention, Because sometimes in other cultures or traditions, the Gentiles in this instance and the Romans, they tended to have this philosophy that if I could overwhelm the gods or if I could overwhelm the divine with my fancy words, then the divine would finally listen to me. That the divine would only listen if I could overwhelm them with the beautifulness of my words and my speech and and they were able to finally start listening and they'd be so impressed by my prayer that they might show up and do something for me. And what Jesus is doing here is he's reorienting people to say, no, You don't need to be fancy. You don't need to be elaborate. You don't need to try to get God's attention because God's already paying attention. God's in this with you. God already knows what you need before you ask. Prayer is not something where it overwhelmingly changes the intention of God. Prayer is something that is a connection to God. And it also is something that changes us. When we pray, we are interacting in this relationship that we have with the divine, and that relationship ultimately changes us. And so this is the the pretext that comes before the Lord's Prayer. And so it's not meant to be this fancy thing where we're out there showing everyone how awesome we are, and we're not trying to get God's attention with our fancy words because God's already in this with us. One of the things that happened in the first century when there was a rabbi going around is this rabbi would have a certain yoke, and we talked a little bit about that. A yoke was the type of teaching that the rabbi would spend time talking about, and sometimes there would be people that would have these really big yokes. They would put a lot on the people, like the Pharisees. They had all these rules and regulations and expectations, and they put these heavy burdens on people. You think of it like an oxen that's got a yoke in order to pull the plow. Well, this yoke was a really, really heavy one, and it would weigh people down, and so What people would often ask a rabbi is like, Rabbi, teach us to pray because the prayer would give people an indication of how heavy the yoke's going to be. Like, what am I bearing if I follow this rabbi versus that rabbi versus this rabbi? And so the people would often ask, Rabbi, teach us to pray. Tell us what you have for us. And so when Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, he's going to tell them, this is how you pray, because this is what I expect out of you. This is my theology. This is my worldview. This is how I want you to be oriented if you're going to follow after me. This prayer is possibly the best summary of the Jesus movement that we have. The entire Sermon on the Mount is the, is, is the most dynamic sermon, and embedded in that is this beautiful prayer, which really gets at the heart of this Jesus movement and revolution. And so, we start with our Father in heaven. Now, I know that that phrase carries with it a lot of baggage. And before I dive into that, I want to tell you a short story about growing up in my household. 
Um, so one of the things I love about getting together with my brothers and my family during the holidays or other celebration times is that we sit around and we play a game of called 500. I don't know if any of you have played the card game 500. It's kind of like euchre. It's kind of like hearts, kind of like spades. It's, but it, we, it's called 500. And we play this and we play it and we play it and we play it and we play it. We play it over and over. We never get tired of playing it. We just play it, play it, play it, play it, play it. And the thing about it is that everybody has these mannerisms when they play it. My dad always looks at his cards and goes, Brr as if the cards are awful. And, and like, it just doesn't even matter. He could have the best hand possible. But he's like, Bruh. and it's like, what are you doing? And my mom looks at it and she's like, mm, I don't know. And I'm, it's like, what do you, I don't. And then my brother's always like, every time someone bids and says how many tricks they're going to take, he's like, what? And it's like, he's, it's like, well, how do you know what they're holding? But he's always like, what? Like, seriously? And I'm like, why, well, why not? Maybe I want to lose. Is that okay? Like, I mean, he's just, it's always these weird, funny interactions that we have. And, and then, you know, these all start up and we all laugh at each other for the mannerisms that we have and the way that we do this. And then my brothers and I, we tend to sit around and start kind of joking about how we're raised. Like, oh yeah, dad, you know, used to be like this and now he's like this. And mom, she used to, you know, toe the line and we were always scared of mom and all. And we just had all these little things and we would start, and then we would do the thing that I'm pretty good at, which is exaggerate um, and make you know, a big fish story out of the whole thing. So I would take it to another. My mom would be like, I never said anything like that. And I was like, well, no, obviously not. But it, the story is much better if I thought you did. And so we would just tell these stories over and over. So every holiday, every gathering, we just kind of enjoy elaborating on and talking about whether it's the card game we're playing, the childhood that we had. And, and we're really lucky. We had, a, we had a really fun childhood. For all of the, the, the deconstructing of faith that I've done, like I love the foundation that I was handed. I love that I was given such a beautiful home to grow up in. And I'm lucky for that. And I know not everybody has that. But here's why I start with that story. It's because so often when we dive into the Lord's Prayer, the first word that we think of is the word Father. But the first word is actually our. It's about a family. This prayer is not an individualistic prayer. It's not my Father. It's not the Father of me. It's our Father. So when I go home for Christmas or for a celebration and my brothers and I sit around and we joke about the way we were raised and we have fun with it, it's not an individual's memory. It's a collective memory. It's a harmony of voices all coming together, telling a common story, sharing a common history. Now, some of us view that history differently at times, and we got to work through that and forgive that and do all that messy family stuff. But ultimately, the beauty of it is that we're doing it together. And so one of the things that I want us to recognize as we navigate our way through this prayer is that it's never meant to be just your prayer. It's never meant to be just my prayer. This is our prayer. And it's our prayer because it starts with this idea of belonging, this idea of familial relationship, we're instantly invited into the family, according to Jesus. And it's not when you pray this prayer, if you pray this prayer. It's not, you know, if you've checked all these boxes and read your Bible and prayed this and done that or served here or done there. It's, it's immediately you're a part of this. Jesus is telling the people, you are in. You're included. You're a part. You're in this family. 
In case you didn't think you were in a family, you're in this one. In case you didn't think you belong because you're not good enough, well, too bad. You are good enough. Why? Because you breathe. You're human. You're a part of us. This is our prayer. This is our family. This is our kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. This prayer starts with a sense of belonging. So often when people talk about the Bible or they teach from the Bible, they talk about how we are distant from God and thank God Jesus makes a way for us to be near to God once again. But that's not the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible starts with eternal goodness, that when creation was made, it was called good, not broken, not bad, not awful, not distant, not separated, not fallen, but it was called good. And yeah, we make mistakes. Yeah, we break relationships. Yes, our trajectory gets off. But it starts from a place of goodness. It starts from a place of family. It starts from a place of this is where I belong. And so as we navigate our way through the Lord's Prayer, know where you are. You belong in the family. My grandma was the one who shaped the household that my mom grew up in. That, yeah, they were Bible-believing, church-going people that had a kind of a traditional mindset of head of the household being the, the, the father, but my grandma was the one that shaped that household. We all operated on grandma's schedule. We all operated on what she wanted to do, what she wanted to cook, when she wanted to celebrate. We knew who was in charge because it was grandma's house. In the first century, there were no rights for women. They couldn't own property. They couldn't have an inheritance passed down to them unless there was some very unique circumstance provided for. It was always through the male line that things were went forward. And so when Jesus says the word, our father, it's not a, purely an indictment on women. He's operating within a cultural context where to say anything different would have been like unimaginable. There's no, there's no real possibility in a way for Jesus to, to say something that would have resonated and, and taught the people different from saying Abba. And, and that's, the, that's the word there for father. And it's actually not used very often in religious settings because it's a term of endearment. It's a term of closeness, of connection to a parent. It's not meant to be just some authoritative, like, okay, you're way up there, I'm way down here, I'm sludge and you're holy. It's meant to be this sense of connection, like I am close to you. And that we could actually insert a lot of different words for this because household, running of a house, the one in charge is not in our culture, in our setting, in our time, thankfully. It is not purely based on being male. And so we could say that someone who runs the house is a guide for those in the house, that someone in the house is mothering, is fathering, is parenting. We could say that someone that is running the household is the source of how this operates. We could say that the person in this house, running this house, is the protector of those that find themselves in this house. The Bible is flooded with words and ideas for how to describe God. That God is a strong tower, God is a mighty warrior, that God is a mother hen, that God is an eagle, that God is, is so many different things. Because that's all we have to describe, the, to describe the undescribable. The moment that we try to describe God in human words, we instantly fall short because God is more than that. 
God is more than just a loving father. God is more than just a mother that looks out for us. God is more than just a guide. God is more than a protector. God is more than just source. But these are words that we can use to try to put human language around the divine. And so Jesus uses a cultural term to try to get at the best understanding of how to help people feel a familial belonging connection to God. And so Jesus used the word father. But ultimately what Jesus is getting at is the one who runs this household. Like my grandma ran our household, God runs this divine household that we find ourselves being family of. I've been reading a book called Cutting for Stone, and I'm not very far into it, so if you've read that book, please don't spoil the ending for me. Um, You can come up and tell me you liked it. That's fine, but then just stop. Um, But one of the things about that book that I found really beautiful was this really small moment, and it's it's based, at least so far, I don't know where this is going, um, but so far it's been based in this hospital in Ethiopia, and there's this matron, and she's a nun, and she's kind of over the other nurses and the people operating within this hospital. There's this really brief moment where it talks a little bit about her calling, and she said some that take on this habit, that take on this role as a nun, they go and they want to tell people about the faith. I wanted to go and heal people. And I thought that that distinction about what she was on planet Earth to do was so beautiful. This idea of, I know my calling is to bring healing, to create an environment where people can get better. When they're at their worst like whether, you know, sickness, their worst disease, whatever it is, I can be there with them in the midst of that. And that is my Christian calling, my Christian duty. Why do I tell you that? Because this idea of in heaven is really messy and complicated. It's messy and complicated because we come out of a Greek culture that teaches us that there's this perfect, like only way of doing things. And then there's every other way that is not right. And so it's very black and white, it's very right and wrong, it's very uh, dualistic. And the Greeks taught us that there's a right and there's a wrong way of doing it, and that so often when we see heaven, we think right, and when we think earth, we think wrong. And so we've got this disconnect. The problem with that disconnect is that it's not actually something that the Bible really does very much. Paul kind of taps into it a little bit in the book of Romans, but then he actually kind of navigates his way around it, which you're like, whoa, I didn't sign up for that class today. Don't worry, we're not doing that. But I want you to know that the Jewish understanding of in heaven is this recognition that there is a realm where things are operating with a sense of wholeness. That there is a way in which this thing should hum and flow better that it can actually move towards the idea of shalom. And shalom is that right relationship with God, ourselves, others, and all of creation, that it's this sense of synergy. It's sense of, like I said, a sense of flow and connectedness. It's a sense of peace as it should be. And now some could say, well, it sounds like you're describing perfection, but I'm not because wholeness says take all of the mess Take all of the brokenness, take all of the stuff that's caused us to be on the wrong trajectory or to have disconnection and disunity and learn from it. Don't run from it. Go through it so that you can become a new you, so that you can become a better person, so that you can become a fuller version of what it means to be human. You can't do that by just being perfect. You have to do that by going through all of the mess and move into a sense of wholeness. 
And God is one who works with humanity towards a sense of wholeness. And so when we read our Father in heaven, we're not simply reading that God is in this perfect place and we just want it to all be perfect, as if that's ever possible. Raise your hand if you think something is ever going to be perfect down here on earth. Right? And I'm using that awful language of up there and down here intentionally, even though I don't like it. Right? That's how we normally say things. Down here on earth, it'll never be perfect. Yeah, I get it. And that's why I don't like using that language. But it could be whole. It could get put back together. It could become a beautiful mosaic that takes on a different shape and a different form, but is just as beautiful as what it originally was before it was broken. There is something more that can come from this. So, the one who has grafted us in, the one who creates belonging, the one who says you are a part of the family, the source, the guide, the mother, the father, divine parent of us all, is coming from a posture of wholeness and shalom. That's how this prayer starts. That it's an hour. It's about all of us. And that we are moving towards wholeness. So if I were to rewrite the beginning of this with way more words than is necessary, I'm going to start sounding like a Gentile that Jesus warned about in the first paragraph that we just read. To the one in whom we belong and who makes us family, the source and divine parent who runs the house from a posture of wholeness and shalom. To be continued. Let's pray. God, who is source, who is mother, who is father, who is our protector, our guide, our rock, who is our eagle, who is the one who is with us, the one who's present, the one that we fail to describe with as many words as we could possibly use. We are grateful to be part of your family. We're grateful that you name us as ones who belong. May we be people who move towards wholeness. May we be people who embody a posture of shalom. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. It's a pleasure to see you on this new year. Happy New Year. This is our first time gathering on in the new year. So happy new year to everybody. Hope it's off to a good start. If you are someone that does a New Year's resolution. I hope it hasn't fallen by the wayside just yet after seven days. I just decided not to have one. So uh, I haven't failed either. It's great. Um, okay, so we have a number of announcements before we dive in this morning. And so you kind of have to buckle up for a bunch of information before we get into some of the more normal church rhythm stuff. But before I do that, last week, we talked about kind of some goal setting or kind of like what's a new beginning for you. And then I also asked everyone to fill out a card about what defines the character of peace. And we got some great feedback. And I wanted to share with you a couple of things because I had Gene typed it all up. And then I said, hey, Gene, when you've typed it all up, what themes stood out to you? And what Gene said stood out to her when she typed it all up were the themes of a non-judgmental acceptance of all, which is completely accurate, and then a caring, compassionate service to others were the themes that stood out. And I wanted to read to you a couple of examples. I won't say names. I actually don't have the names. So if this is yours, well, congratulations, you got yours read. One, one, I, one, one person wrote kindness. 
service of our neighbor and care for our neighbor. And I thought that really exemplified that spirit of, of, of uh, service that we have. And then one person wrote this, a community of acceptance where there's no pretense. We're educating, not mandating. It's a place or a group that causes me to pause and think and process. And then I, I love this one. It's not a feeling that I should be at church or that I should show up for appearance sake, but I want to come there. Um, and I thought that really showed a lot about the character of this place and, and who we try to be. And so thank you for filling that out. Um, I want to go back to this as we kind of forecast and plan and vision about where we need to show up and how we want to show up in the world, because what we do in the world should match the character of who we are. We don't want to start something or do something that doesn't fit the ethos of this place, because then it's going to be a lot harder to do, um, because we're going to have to kind of change who we are in order to meet that need. But we want to operate out of our character, operate out of our essence. And so when it comes to what we do in the world, we want to do it with that non-judgmental acceptance of all. We want to do it with that hospitality, that kindness, that caring for other people. And so thank you again for filling that out. Um, it's really, really helpful and really beautiful um, to see. Okay, so a couple of announcements. Um, one, in a few Sundays, the 21st, we're going to have a church conference to vote on the 2024 budget. So that day we will have um, kind of the breakdown of what 2023 looked like versus what 2024 looked like, kind of an update on where the stewardship is. Uh, finance has a meeting this coming or the Tuesday before that. And so we're going to go through everything and make sure that we feel solid about what we'll be presenting on that Sunday. And so we will be doing that vote on January 21st. So please please come for that. Um, you you need to be here in order to vote. I, I actually emailed the conference to say, like, can someone vote by proxy if they, you know, if they can't make it? And they said, no, they can participate on Zoom so we can make a Zoom option available for people, but we can't have you vote by proxy. So we, we prefer that you're here. So that would be great. Um, Encore starts back up tonight. So seven o'clock, if you're in middle school or high school, we invite you to come back here at seven o'clock for Encore with Katie. Men's Connection is getting back up and running too. So this Tuesday at noon, bring a lunch and come ready to hang out and spend some time together. And then we have our family game nights starting up again here in January. So on the evening of the 21st um, at five o'clock, we're going to have family game night. Yes, we'll have Mario Kart for all the younger ones out there and the older ones who like beating the younger ones in Mario Kart. But also, and here's the real highlight, Pam is going to be leading a, uh, a time where we can learn how to make lefsa. And so she's going to have it all prepped and ready for us. And we're going to be able to make lefsa, less, lefsa. Man, that's a fun Swedish word, right? Um, we're going to be able to make lefsa with Pam um, during family game night. So come bring a dish to share, come ready to hang out, make some lefsa and enjoy some time together. After family game night, those of us that want to stick around um, or come at seven, we're going to talk about what book do we want to study next. So we, we did a few things this fall. Um, we read The Great Emergence by Phyllis Tickle. We listened to a podcast between Rob Bell and Alexander Shia about Advent and talked about that this, this past winter. And so now we're, we want to come up with a new book, a new study um, for the spring. And so come with ideas and we'll gather on the 21st and we can kind of talk through what we want to do. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peace, the podcast. If you would like to learn more about our community, go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website or go to the show page, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Again, peacethepodcast.podbean.com.
may you experience the love of God and may you have peace.